Welcome to Business Talk, Sister Gok. I'm Becca, and today's podcast episode topic is how to navigate commercial property grants as a business owner. And this is actually part of my commercial building or building series that I've been doing. There's lots of building episodes in this series, so if you missed a couple of them, you can go back and and check them out. It's not sequential though, so you're more than welcome to start with this episode. So what I wanted to talk about in this episode is that um, most business owners don't know that there are a lot of local opportunities in your community as well as on a state or a federal level for you to get assistance as a business owner, specifically with commercial properties. And there's there's lots of different aspects of this. So I, I wanted to make you aware because a lot of people aren't. And then I'll share a lot of experiences with a specific couple programs that that I've worked through recently and have been exploring because um, quite honestly a lot of these programs there's not a lot of content out there and just looking into it um, how it works all that kind of stuff it's not very clear a lot of the times because um, sometimes maybe it's a new program and they're just trying it out they're just setting up the rules for it and they want to see how the first round goes whatever but I think it's really important to be aware of things that are coming up and available to you as well as current programs so you can take advantage of them and I am going to talk about some specific programs local to my area as well, so they may not apply to you, but the the information about what I've learned from it is going to apply to you because every grant has its own nuances, and what I have learned from some of these is that um, I need to ask more questions at the beginning. <laughs> so just so we're clear, the, the context behind this is that I wanted to do a podcast series specifically on commercial buildings because I had never done any of this before. It's a giant research and development project for me just to learn about because I want to be able to tell other people this is what I learned. This is what you can know before you get into this because I've seen so many businesses fail um, because they're not strategically thinking through every every planning step before making the plunge. And um, cash flow becomes a problem. You can't get your stuff done in time. All that kind of stuff is, is an issue. And so how do you plan early and often before deciding, yes, I want to get a building for my business? And if you're looking at like a specific location where that should be, I did a whole podcast at the beginning of this building series on that. So go check out that episode. I'm not going to talk about that information here. Um, So the biggest thing that I think is really important for for you to understand is that um, every local region has something to do with either workforce development economic development and I've talked about that like each city has their own economic development authority and every city has its own programs associated with it and then regions will also have programs so in my region there is a program through the IRRRB which is um the Department of Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation. And it's kind of like all these mining taxing tax dollars from our area that all get pooled together and are invested in economic redevelopment of the community outside of mining to diversify the area. And so one of the programs that they have specifically 
is a commercial redevelopment program. And actually, as a business owner, you cannot take advantage of this program. It's actually, you have to be a city or a tribal government or a township to even apply. And so what is important about that, though, is that you should be aware in your own community if there's programs like that available um, to your city or county that your county could apply for Um, because even I just found one through the state of Minnesota that is coming up on applications due for redevelopment grant program and that helps communities with the cost of redeveloping blighted industrial residential or commercial sites and putting the land back into productive use so that's that's the name of that one and I'll um, in the show notes on my on my blog, I will put the link to that if you're interested. Um, But I can't apply for that one either, right? It has to be a city that applies. And what for that specific one through the state of Minnesota, it, it says things like, well, it has to be infrastructure improvements or all these different things. Like maybe there used to be a dry cleaner there and they use a lot of hazardous chemicals that are now seeping into the ground and need to be remediated. Or maybe like it's got a lot of radon in the basement. I mean, there's like tons of different things like that that Um, have come up that I've seen or even like if you buy a location and they used to have gas tanks for the gas station that's no longer operating but they're still in the ground and they could potentially leak or have an issue or whatever like there's stuff like that that it's really important to get investigated but it also is something that you may want to talk to your city about before getting into a building because if there's a known problem there and you're considering purchasing it it's best to negotiate before you purchase the building um like with the with the actual city of what they can do to help get that into a commercial property that's actually functioning again because there's incentive for them right like they're going to get overall tax dollars for like the region but then also um, if they have like a sales tax locally or whatever there's like a lot of incentives that they want the economy to grow and so they're going to see some of that back if a business takes over that space and redeveloping it is something that there are funds for on many levels so that's why it's really good to explore that and also just pay attention to your state and what's going on at your state level because your city administrator or EDA person they might not have the time to look and if you can say hey I saw this will you apply for it it can benefit more than just your business I just reached out to our city and said hey I've noticed that in this historical district of our downtown area we have a lot of people that don't have water lines going into their building that are to code of what the standard use is and potentially this program could help mitigate the cost of the business owner updating their water line to the right code so that the entire district has what it needs to be successful and it's not a burden to the business owner and so um presenting something like that to your local eda i mean i just did that i don't know if it's going to happen or not but the the opportunity is then if you can work with your local city they can apply for programs like this and say, yeah, we're going to put it towards 
this because we've realized there's a need there. And if you have multiple other people that are having a similar problem, like talking to other business owners in the area about what the issues have been with their buildings, all of that, super, super helpful to going after um, like a city saying we need this kind of funding and here's what we're going to do about it to support local people that own commercial property. And so the next thing is what I did for this, um, in this demolition grant, I really wanted to learn how it worked because I had heard about it before. I knew people could apply for it, but traditionally how this funding has been used regionally is for cities to basically find a blight building that's disgusting looking and they just tear the whole thing down because it's not safe maybe the bricks are falling out of it somebody could get hit driving by on their bike whatever so they just rip the whole building down because it's not safe and they don't want people going in there and messing around they might fall through the floor or whatever so um they usually rip the building down and create like a parking lot and just an empty, empty space in the downtown area. And so um, that's commonly how it's been used in the past to just mitigate risk of like the city getting sued or the county or whatever, because most of those buildings are tax forfeited. Um, but there's another area, like there's another area where that grant can be used where you can actually work with somebody who owns a building before it goes into foreclosure, tax forfeit, all those kind of things. Somebody who actually wants to do something with the property so that you can preserve that history, preserve like the old look of the downtown and demo the inside of the building, not just take the whole thing down and make a parking lot. So this was a program that one of my friends had told me about and said, hey, I've been thinking about applying for this. You should talk to the city and see if they will apply for you, with you, to do this program before you buy the building. See if they'll even be in on it. And, and so that's what I did. I went to the city and I said, hey, I'm thinking about buying this building. And you know, in my one of my previous episodes, I said, I love hypothetical situations because you mitigate so much risk. And this is exactly what I was trying to do. I really wanted to make sure before I bought this building that it would be feasible to really rehab it and make it nice. Because one of the things I would recommend doing before purchasing a property is really getting a quality market analysis on the building and its location and how much the building will be worth if you redid the whole thing. Because I learned from somebody who was gracious enough to sit down with me, they'd already done a market analysis on the area. So they had all the data and they said, what's your square footage? They calculated it out and they said, okay, you are not allowed to spend over this amount of money on your building in order for it to ever break even at the end if you wanted to resell it to somebody else um, redone because it if you spend more than this amount it will be lost investment for you um, it, it's just not going to be worth it and a big piece of that is because all of the other buildings in the region play into that cost of what a building would sell for and if all of the other buildings are garbage it's gonna not go for a lot of money if it's redone because <laughs> it's just location location right and so that was a really big piece of okay this building is not good it's been vacant for over 20 years and it's gonna cost me a lot of money just to get it to ground zero like like not even add any value, but just to like demo out the inside and make it to a place where I could actually do something with it. Because right now it's just not safe. 
And so that was really, really important for me to make sure that I factored in Um, because, you know, you can have a dream like, oh, I want to make something beautiful where there's something ugly. But like if you don't plan it out well, you could end up losing so much money and then not being able to recoup any of those costs or even resell the building for what you put into it. And so that was really, really valuable. So talking to the city, they said, yeah, that's something we would be interested in. If you actually go through with what you say you're going to do, we will do this. And I think that that's really important as a business owner. Like you can throw out hypothetical situations all day long, but you have to be able to follow through on your word. And so it's really important to make sure you have all the information. I wish I would have known more, quite honestly, (laughs) but you can't prepare for everything. So this is why I wanted to tell you a little bit about this program. I had to ask, what is the matching funds required? What programs are also usable, but will that money stack? So what I mean by that is if you apply for another grant, so another regional program that's available is the Burr grant, which is a energy retrofit that helps business owners with the cost of installing energy efficient things such as insulation, windows, roofing, all that kind of stuff. But what I found out is even though you apply through the AEOA, which is a local nonprofit, that money is actually also from the IRRB and they are actually just the contracted administrator of those funds and the program. And what that means is if you have to have matching funds, you cannot use any funds you're working on with the energy retrofit grant to match against a demo grant because you can't match the same departmental program against itself, which means if the IRRB has both funds, you can't use your dollars of what you have to put in to what they're putting in twice. But if it's from the state level, they'll consider that a matching fund. Or if it's from the city level, because they maybe have a grant available, they'll consider that a matching fund. And a lot of foundations and other nonprofits sometimes have like specific funding available for business owners to federal money that can count. And so you have to think about how you can utilize all the different programs available and match them against one another to get your best bang for your buck. And I know that that is a little bit confusing, but believe me, I would ask as many questions as you can about what matching funds qualify for the grant you're going after. Because I learned as well, if I buy like work gloves and all this kind of stuff for uh, my building, even though it's for my building, it's not like increasing the value of my building. So those receipts don't count as my investment match for the demolition costs of what they're putting in. And so it's really important to ask those questions. The next thing I would ask about any grant program is when I submit my receipts to you for my matching funds or when I provide this or however it looks, ask about how they need it provided, ask about when the funds will be dispersed and if there's a regular timeline. What I learned about the demo grant is that there actually is no timeline, (laughs) which I mean, they get to it eventually, but I didn't know that like, okay, by 
12 days after, like it would be super nice for there to be a schedule of like, if I get it in by this day, I know there's a regular run of when they're going to cut checks to the cities and then I'll get reimbursed by this day. So I know that my project can continue to move forward and I'll have the funding I need to be able to make my next payment to my contractor. Okay. So that was crazy. Also, the next thing I would recommend for your project, if you're doing any kind of commercial building development funding, you need to ask them if there's any requirements regarding how many bids you need to receive for your project. Because for the demo grant, I had to go out and get three bids from different contractors for my project. First of all, that took me a really long time because contractors are very busy. Second of all, it was emotionally exhausting. And honestly, do your best to be respectful in this area because if you ever need them for something in the future, they could be like, no, I tried to work with you one time and you didn't give me the job. So I try really hard to make referrals to those people in the future and all that kind of stuff, knowing that even though they weren't the lowest bid for my project, it was really, really nice of them to consider it and make a bid. So a couple things I did want to point out. I think it's really important, depending on the grant or whatever, um, to ask if there's any kind of in-kind match that can be used. And what I mean by that is an in-kind donation is basically your time and your hours put towards the match of the funds. Sometimes there's grants out there that you don't have to match any funds. There's no in-kind, whatever. They'll just give it to you straight out. That's pretty rare. Usually um, you see stuff like that, like with the COVID-19 response, like they, they did unmatched funds in certain areas depending on how cities decided to use their CARES Act money and they didn't ask for any kind of match on that. They just wanted to give out money to the people who had to have their businesses close and so if you find out that you can actually match with in-kind funds then what you should do is take the time to calculate out the hourly rate of what it would cost to pay someone to do the things that you're doing and factor that in as part of the match and then if you do something like that you're going to have to keep track of the hours that you've worked or it can be other business partners sometimes it's people within the business and you're doing it based off of the payroll that you're paying them to work on the project and you can just submit their um, like summary of their timesheet information or whatever so there's opportunity for that now Typically, I see that in-kind is most common like in areas like the U.S. Department of Agriculture, like USDA does uh, do that, especially for like uh, people who are trying to open um, a farm or and they're looking for like equipment backing funds to match against or anything to do with opening like a meat processing facility or something like that. So there there is opportunity for in-kind. It is a lot of work to do your spreadsheet at the beginning of getting the process down and saying, okay, this is how much I've worked and this is what that equates to, yada, yada, yada. Um, I would definitely recommend talking to the grant provider or like where you apply to see what the ramifications are of that. And don't be afraid if this is something, especially when you're working with a specific industry like agriculture, for example, there are tons of free resources specific to that industry that will be able to help navigate those things with you and 
I always love asking, hey, do you have examples of projects that have already been done? And I love that, love that, because a lot of times even on the website where you look at who's received a grant in the past, a lot of times that's public information. So you can see what city has received it, what their project was, whatever, if it's like through the state or uh, federal level. And you can kind of dig into what the project was. And that can give you an idea of how to interpret what kind of projects they're looking for as well. And so then you know what to go after. Because sometimes it's like, hey, we offered this money for XYZ, but you know, there's multiple ways you can go about that. And if you can tie it to something that's specific to what they're going after, it's a lot easier to petition your case that yes, in fact, you will be making an impact in the community and meeting their objectives of where they're hoping to grow the community. So pretty much for all of these grants, you're going to make sure that you have a business plan written up. And I will tell you this really clearly, that you should read the grant application and figure out what their priorities are because they're gonna score you based on what their priorities are and if you match their priorities. And so that's a really big piece of it. And then also making sure that your business plan is written to that narrative is also important because you can write one generic business plan and go after a whole bunch of grants and opportunities, but if you're not speaking to that specific vision of what they're trying to do, you're gonna have a, a less likely success rate of being picked as somebody that would get funds. The next thing you're gonna wanna do is find out when the application's open to apply, and then also how long it will take them to award grants. And this is a, an interesting thing as well. So if you don't get a grant, let's say, and you were super bummed because you thought you had a really good application. Well, quite honestly, because you know that percentage is so high of business failure, which is unfortunate, but when that happens, people don't follow through on their projects. And a lot of times at the end of the year or at the end of their grant cycle, whatever that fiscal is for that organization or government department, they will sometimes have people back out and not fulfill their grant funding needs to be able to get their project started or whatever, or the, just the timeline has elapsed. And then all of a sudden they have funding that they don't have an applicant qualified to receive because the other person they picked backed out. And then a lot of times they'll go back through the list of people that applied and they'll just start calling and say, hey, um, this person we had backed out, we have a spot open, would you like to take it? So kind of keep that in mind that that might happen to you. It's not super common in certain programs, but it's always good to know that there might be a second chance because quite honestly, with any kind of government funding, if they don't use all of it to the dollar, they don't get the same amount next time. And so they have to spend it down, which is something they don't actually tell you. So it's really important to be aware of that because otherwise they don't meet their requirement goals and then they get less funds for the next time and less staffing, all that kind of stuff. So the grant programs themselves a lot of times are trying to make sure they meet their numbers and award all the grants that they have um, resources for so that way they can reapply and say yes we met our criteria we did what we needed to do and I mean they want to keep their jobs too which is something that I never knew about the government 
out. <laughs> so anyways, that's just a, a good tip. So the next thing I was going to tell you is that you should really make sure that you have your budget ready for your match. Whether that's like, yep, I have the time set aside to do my in-kind match or I have all the funds I need to be able to start my project. And, and I don't mean like you should have every single dollar ready to go, okay? But I just mean that you have to have a projected cash flow of your current business or at least a loan or financing available that you can succeed to meet everything that you set out to do within the grant that you've requested. And it doesn't mean like your phase five of your project needs to be successful. Just the portion of the grant you're applying for has to be that match, right? And if you don't think that you have the resources set aside to be able to do that this year, well, if this is an annual grant, keep planning and preparing and saving your money so that you will be prepared. And that's okay. Because the other thing I will tell you about these grants, if you're going after anything for commercial property or business in general, is that if you are the person that says, yes, this is what I'm going to do, and then you end up not being able to follow through on your commitments, the likelihood of you being able to tap that resource again in the future goes down significantly because you get a reputation. And so I think it's really important for people to realize that that's a piece of the equation that most people don't account for. And I mean, I never knew until I started working in this kind of stuff that you really have to work on putting your best foot forward. And then additionally, one thing I have learned specifically about matching funds and grant money is that if you're doing any kind of loan funding, a lot of times your lender will want to know like where the funds are coming from and if you've already secured the grant. If you have that stuff together, um, sometimes what's nice is that your lender will actually float part of the cost of like the demolition in certain cases like this or whatever um because they know that that organization is good for it and you're taking out a loan to do like the rest of the project and then that organization will rematch all of those funds that you just put out to match against their funds and i know that's a little confusing but just know that there is some advantage if you're already a larger business and have the ability to take out a loan like that, that the bank will work with you. Some smaller institutions actually are a lot more flexible on this because they're a lot more familiar with the local grants and how they function. So I would definitely recommend when you look at who's received grants in the past to even reach out to some of those people and ask them about their experience and what they learned as well as maybe what financial institution they used and all that kind of stuff because if you're going to go after any kind of funding for that like in terms of like personal loan or whatever you're going to want to work with people that are already familiar with the program and know how it functions so that they can support you through it okay one more thing i'm going to tell you and then we're going to transition to the gawk section of this episode so i think it's also really important that you need to confirm when the actual disbursement timeline starts of your grant cycle. So you have the application, you have the award, but then when does the actual timeline start of when you can start your project? This is very important. And the reason for that is because if you get started beforehand, unless they've specifically told you, yes, architectural and engineering drawings will count, 
towards your match. And you can do those prior to starting the rest of your construction or whatever. If they don't have any of those kind of stipulations in there, especially like USDA, it's very much like you cannot spend any money until your match timeline starts because if you spend anything before that and you submit that invoice and say here you go this is part of my matching funds they will not count it um but certain things like you know purchase of equipment or whatever sometimes they'll they'll count that as part of your in-kind or or your your equipment match on the money that they're giving you so really get that nailed down and see it in writing like in an email or in um the guidelines of the grant funds and have them read it to you so you can see it for yourself because that's super important and i would so hate for you to start your project and then start submitting receipts and they say oh you did this before we were ready and so none of those count because they were dated too early and so that's where people do get in trouble so just make sure that you are really paying attention to lining everything up to hit the timeline that it needs to be in and getting your contract team or whoever needs to be on your building crew ready to go okay so the gawk section of this episode is a little bit nerdy but i'm going to tell you a story because i have um experienced a couple different times where people have asked for feasibility studies on a project especially for like a larger size business operation whether it's manufacturing or um, some sort of large-scale production now feasibility studies are basically these bigger market analysis that kind of look at the viability of the business, who would be the customer, would people buy from them, is there network and shipping available, all that kind of stuff. And they kind of look at what the actual cost of the project truly is going to be. Because for larger projects, if you're just a business owner and you say, these are my numbers, I forecasted what I think I can do, great job but the reality is they usually want a little bit more detail of the market outside of just your ideas you need to have really good data and honestly a lot of times people can put pretty good numbers together on what they think is actually feasible to do for what they're investing but leveraging all of those resources like local workforce data average cost of whatever people are buying a certain product for in the nation all that kind of stuff it's very research heavy and not everyone is gifted at that and so being able to put together a feasibility study is something that people pay firms a lot of money like research firms to put together sometimes upwards of like fifty thousand dollars so these can be really expensive and when somebody says well in order for us to consider your project you need to supply a feasibility study with your application especially with like u.s department of ag and a couple other manufacturing organizations, whatever that the federal government has, they actually do have a grant program to help pay for the development of a feasibility study. So if you need one of these, I would definitely start with going after funding for a feasibility study. But even before that, this is why it's the gawk portion, (laughs) um, I would start asking around about who has considered your type of business concept because sometimes government organizations have thought about the same thing and they've paid or they've asked a university to put together a feasibility study for them and so as part of like a satellite extension office of a university a lot of times especially within the agriculture department or within mining or whatever, there are specifically people that do research studies 
for feasibility on different things to try to like help the economy in a local area, especially if the government says, wow, this is gonna be a big significant need in our future. And so one time I had this business come to me and they said, hey, we want to go after a grant for a feasibility study because we need one to be able to apply for this other funding that we wanna do so that we can open up this manufacturing facility. And I was like, okay, I can start looking into that for you. And I started kind of the process of researching a little bit, looking at what's available on a federal level, all that kind of stuff. And what's really interesting is that, especially with federal programs, pretty much everybody in every state has something going on. Like every university has got a little bit of knowledge here and there. So I just started calling people at different universities, at different um, departments of different states and saying, hey, do you know anything about this? I'm looking at something and this is the scope of what I'm looking at. Do you have anything on that? And you would not believe what happened to me. <laughs> I ended up getting a hold of somebody from the University of Minnesota who said, hey, you know what? Actually, there was another business that considered doing this previously with a government facility. And we actually did a feasibility study for them. And because they were going to do it as a public-private partnership, I can actually give you that documentation of that feasibility study. I can just give it to you because it's public knowledge because it was part of a government partnership project and so the government had to disclose that so I'll just send it over to you and so here I got an entire feasibility study that was not too old of the exact same type of business in a super relevant market and it was mind-blowing <laughs> so I ended up getting this download right um, and I sent it over to the person I was working with and I said, hey, I know you guys are going after this grant to do a feasibility study, but I just found one that looks almost exactly like your, what you're trying to do. Do you want to look it over? And here they called me back and said, we don't even need to do this feasibility study anymore. We talked to the people, they looked at this one, it fits exactly all the things that they needed to know. And we don't have to go out and do a new one because it's got all the relevant data needed to be able to justify us going after the grant that we wanted to do to get the facility even up and running. And they were super excited. And like, seriously, it was so exciting. I literally saved them so much time, plus the cost of getting a feasibility study done, which was gonna be like at least $50,000. And it only took me about 20, 25 minutes to call a couple people and find out what was already out there. And so, wow, like that's why I really wanna advocate for looking around, talking to people, networking, and seeing what's available before you even start digging into doing one yourself. Because I seriously hear that from so many people where the business owner will say, well, this organization said they wanna work with me, but first I have to put together a feasibility study. And so just trying to save you <laughs> loads of time. And it for me, it saved them loads of time. I was like, you know what? This was so easy. I'm not even gonna charge you anything because like you got what you needed and I didn't have to do much. <laughs> Well, I hope you have enjoyed this episode because I sure have learned a lot trying to put all of this together. <laughs> and buildings are something I am super excited about learning about. <laughs> and if you want to give this episode a review on whatever platform you're listening on, I would so be encouraged by that. And it does actually give me energy to continue to make more fun content to geek out with other people about. So I'll see you next time and thanks for listening.